you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Hey, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love the Olympics. I can watch the Olympics all day and all night, nonstop. I like everything about the Olympics. I I could even watch the Olympic equestrian event, though I'm not sure why they give the person on the horse the gold medal. They should really put the medal around the horse's neck instead of the person riding it. But everything about the Olympics is awesome because you see people that have just invested all of their life into one thing, and this is the one moment where they have a chance to show the world where they're at. I was watching the Olympics this past week, Perhaps you were watching it too. And I watched this woman, Tatiana Schoenmaker, set the first world record in this Olympic Games. This South African woman who won the 200-meter breaststroke. But what was so beautiful about this is when she ended up on the gold medal platform, what she said to the world about this medal. And I'm going to use this lady today as kind of the jumping off point. I'm using a diving or a swimming illustration. I'm going to use her as the jumping off point to talk about this sermon from uh, about John chapter 5 today. You see, this woman has a rock solid faith in Jesus Christ. Before she left South Africa to go to the Olympics in Tokyo, she put a little post on Twitter and she said, Lord, no matter what happens, if I finish first, if I finish last, let your will be done. Not only did this woman win, but she set a world record in the process. Most of the international news started to talk about her. But if you were watching this event, maybe you got a chance to see her pull off the green cap that she was wearing, her country's colors. And right underneath that green cap, she had a white cap on. And the white cap tells you why she was competing in the Olympics. All of the Christians in this room recognize this phrase, solo or soli deo gloria, for God's glory alone. And what Schoenmacher was saying is beyond the gold medals, beyond the international fame, beyond all of the recognition, I'm in the water and I'm giving it everything that I've got and I'm giving it everything that I've got for God's glory. She recognized that there's something more than gold medals. And in fact, what I want you to hear from the Bible today, I think the Bible is going to explain this to us. What I want you to hear from John chapter 5 today is right here on the screens. Jesus is more than And then notice the blank. You see, I left this blank on the screens on purpose because some of you right now are struggling with some really, really difficult things. And I need you to know that Jesus is more powerful than your greatest problems. Some of you are having the time of your life right now and that life is going just the way that you'd hoped it would go. I need you to understand that with Jesus, the best are even the best days are even better. And without him, the worst days are unbearable. 
So I want you to just humor me for a second, will you? I want you to think in your mind about the worst single thing that's ever happened to you. I want you to put that thing in your mind. And then in just a second, I want all of us to say that thing out loud. I'm going to do it on the count of three so that you say it out loud and nobody can hear what you're saying because everybody else is saying it out loud. The worst event that's ever happened to you in your life. On the count of three, one, two, three, say it out loud. Jesus is more than that terrible thing that happened to you. Now, I want you to flip the coin and think about the greatest single thing that's ever happened to you in your life. On the count of three, I want you to say that thing out loud as well. One, two, three. Jesus is more than the best days. He is help. He's there for you on the worst days. And today you get a chance to see a guy who is introduced to Jesus. And in the process, Jesus radically changes this guy's life. And for a period of time, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. The story is going to pick up for us in John chapter five, starting in verse one. And what I want you to hear from the beginning of this passage is Jesus is more than your health problems. And y'all in this room already know this. In fact, all over the world, we know this, that, that your health is the great equalizer, right? There's no amount of money, the color of your skin, the country that you come from, your culture, your age, your gender. None of those things really can help you when you're struggling with disease or when you're struggling with uh, disability. And this guy has a disease that no one and nothing can fix. In fact, he's been living with it for 38 years. Get this, 38 years. And then Jesus shows up and Jesus does a miracle. John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. After this, the, this is a miracle that Jesus just did with a son that was on his deathbed. And Jesus heals him from a distance. After that miracle, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of disabled, blind, lame, paralyzed. Pause for just a second. I want you to think about the COVID wing of your local hospital, people that are on their deathbed and there is nothing and no one that anybody can do to help them. Just try to treat them and hopefully God will do a miracle. If not, there's nothing that we can do. That's the situation that this guy is in. Look what happens next. One man who was lying there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he realized he had already been there for a long time. And he said to him, do you want to get well? And I just want to say, duh. Yes, of course I want to get well, Jesus. I have been here at this spot for 38 years. Now this, the Bible tells us, happens right outside of what's called the sheep gate. The sheep gate is where shepherds would lead their sheep into Jerusalem. They would take them to market. They would take them to the temple. And this is the spot where the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, is moving with his disciples. Today what John wants you to know is not only is he the good shepherd, but he's also the great physician. And he's about to do something at this little pool right inside of the gate in Jerusalem that is going to blow people's minds. 
And I just want you to remember that there is a lot of people at this pool in Jerusalem when Jesus shows up and when he chooses to heal one man. Please look up here for a second. I need you to wrestle with this because there's a lot more people there that Jesus could have healed, but he didn't. He went to this one man who had been there for 38 years. He looked him in the eyes and he said, do you want to get better? And Jesus is going to deal with this guy's greatest and most pressing need at the moment. He's going to deal with his health problems. And I just need you to understand that there are some times in life where you are following the good shepherd and it feels like he doesn't care about you. He's forgotten about you because you're struggling with a health problem. And people around you are not dealing with that health problem. They're healthy or they've been sick, but God has chosen to do something beautiful in their life and he's not doing it in your life. In other words, sometimes when you're the sheep following the shepherd, it feels like the shepherd's leading you out to pasture and to good food. But some days, if we're just honest, y'all, it feels like the shepherd may be leading me to market and I'm on the menu. And that may be where it feels like for this guy for 38 years when Jesus shows up and when Jesus does a miracle in his life. And if you're healthy, go home and thank God. Because you and I can sometimes take health for granted until it's gone. And when it's gone like this guy, we'll do anything that we can to to uh, deal with the health problems. But the, the, the issue is, and this guy realizes it firsthand, there's some problems you can't fix. And Jesus is more than your health problems. Now, what I'm going to do is pause for just a second. I'm going to narrow in on one verse in this passage. And I want you to see from this one verse, look right here on the screens for a second. This word does not show up in the Bible, but I need you to know that Jesus is more awesome than the angels. Because there is some cultic uh, worship practices that are going on at this pool that everybody in town knows about when John writes this passage. And I'm going to try to give you the backstory in just a second, but I want us to pause and to slow down and to focus in on verse number seven because of what verse number seven teaches us about this guy and how desperate he is to be healed. But what verse number seven teaches us about Jesus? Look at John chapter five, verse seven for just a second. Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. Now, while this verse is still on the screens, I want you to look at the verb tense in verse seven. This water is being stirred up. It's not a man-made occurrence. And when the water is being stirred up, this guy is saying, I need to get into the pool. But the problem is I'm so disabled that I can't get into the pool when the water is stirred up. And so here's what he says next. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. And basically he's saying, they crawl on top of me. They jump past me. They pull me back so that they can jump in the water when the water is stirred up. You're saying, Jeff, where is the word angel in this verse? And it's not there. But I need you to understand this pagan practice. And I also need you to see just how bad it is for this Jewish boy. Because there is a cultic worship practice at this pool. And it's the worship of this pagan god called Asclepius. Now the belief is that Asclepius will stir the waters. And this 
miracle of stirring the waters. If somebody is sick and they jump into the water, the first person into the water when you're sick, Asclepius will fix you or will heal you. Can you imagine how bad it has to be for a good Jewish boy to try to hope this pagan worship practice will heal me because I've been praying to the God of Israel and I'm not getting healed? The Jews have taken this worship practice and they've kind of distorted it a little bit. And they, they have believed that God sends his angels to this pool in Jerusalem, that the angels stir the water up. And the first person that jumps into the water after the angels stir the water up, that person gets healed because of the water or because of the angels. And I'm convinced Jesus shows up at this pool with the pagan worship practice of Asclepius, with the Jewish idea that maybe it's God's angels that are doing this, Jesus shows up and he probably picks out the most disabled and the guy who's been there the longest. And he does something that the angels can't take credit for. That this pagan worship practice he can't possibly take credit for. In fact, this guy, when he's healed, is going to un- unquestionably believe that Jesus is more awesome than the angels because he's hoping in healing. He's hoping that maybe the angels can stir the water up and I'll be the first to jump in and they'll heal me. And what he's going to find is the great physician, the one who created the human body in the first place, is going to fix this man's ailment. Did you know that in just a couple of weeks, we're going to take a pause from the book of John, and we're going to do an in-depth study on angels and on demons. And you can ask any question that you want, and I will answer them during this several-week sermon series about angels and demons. You'll find out more about that sermon series at the end of this uh, broadcast today. This guy's hoping that God will heal him. And for 38 years, it doesn't happen. So he's going to take it a step further. Maybe I'll just try these pagan worship practices. Maybe the pagan idol of Asclepius can heal me. And that's when Jesus shows up. And Jesus does something miraculous. But notice, there are some religious leaders that are watching this whole thing. And they miss the miracle because they can only think about the rules. And I need you to know that Jesus is more than just a bunch of religious rules. These guys that we're reading about, we don't even know their names, these religious leaders, they break my heart today because they miss the essence of what's important because all they can think about, all they can see is the rules. You know, if you think about it, sometimes religious people, can be the most critical and the most judgmental people out there. Sometimes we can only focus on the rules. Maybe this isn't you, but maybe you've met people like this. And what they're really trying to do is they're trying to uh, show everybody how good they are, how holy they are, by, by telling everybody else around them how bad they're doing. And I really believe it's the sin of pride. It's trying to make yourself good in God's eyes by helping other people feel bad about the way that they're living. And that's exactly what these religious leaders do because all they can see is a man who's breaking the rules right now. Look what happens when Jesus commands the disability and it's healed instantly. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat 
and walk. This is a command, and it's not just a command to that man, but it's a command to his legs or his disability, whatever this thing is. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly, the man got up, got well, picked up his mat, and he started to walk. And everybody that's there at that pool right now should be shouting, glory, hallelujah, I just saw a miracle, right? Look at what you see next. Look at what's not written in John chapter 5. Now, that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. The law prevents you from picking up your mat. And he replied, the man who made me well told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk, they asked him. But the man who was healed, he didn't know who it was. Because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. It breaks my heart what we just read in John chapter 5. Because right in front of their eyes, apparently, lots of disabled, lots of sick people, they are all hoping to be healed. And these religious leaders get a chance to see a guy who, I know this man, I know what he looks like, I know this man has been um, crippled for 38 years, and now he's walking through the streets of Jerusalem carrying his mat. Obviously, God has just done a great miracle, but these religious leaders can't see the miracle because all they're focusing on is the Sabbath. By the way, go back and read your Bible. You will not find anywhere in your Bible where God prohibits a man to pick up his mat and walk on the Sabbath. These are man-made rules. But he's walking through town on the Sabbath day, doing work as the Jewish religious leaders interpret it by carrying his mat. And they don't care about the healing. They're mad at him for breaking their rules. Now I want you to put yourself in his shoes for just a second. Because Jesus tells him to get up and do something. And Jesus knows this is going to break the rules if you do it. I think there's time from time where you and I are placed in this situation where if I do what other people are telling me to do, I know it's not what the Holy Spirit is calling me to do. And if I do what I believe the Holy Spirit is asking me to do, it's going to make some religious people mad. And you placed in the same situation that this guy is, am I going to follow the Holy Spirit or am I going to try to follow the rules? And Christian, would you look up here for just a second? Because sometimes following the rules will get in the way of your relationship with Jesus. You see, sometimes following the rules will make it worse, not make it better. Because sometimes we'll go to bed at night looking ourselves in the mirror and thinking, I'm a good boy or I'm a good girl because I followed the rules and I did what other people told me to do. And now what you're trying to do is to be self-righteous and to earn God's approval based on your efforts. And everything that the Bible describes about our relationship with God says you can't follow the rules enough to get into heaven. There's no amount of doing the good stuff that you do for the rest of your life that can make the sin that you and I've committed go away. And so the very idea of self-righteousness, I follow the rules, I did exactly what people told me to do, can sometimes harm your relationship with Jesus because it makes you feel good about yourself and it makes you feel like I don't need him because I'm a good boy or I'm a good girl. This guy was placed in this delicate situation where if I do what this man, I don't even know his name, what he told me to do, I know I'm breaking the rules. 
But I also know that a man just told me to pick up my mat and walk on the Sabbath day, and that man healed me. I have been broken and disabled for 38 years. Which am I going to do? And this man, it's easy for him. I'm picking up my mat, and I'm walking. I don't know about the rest of you religious leaders, but I do know that the guy who just healed me told me to pick up my mat and walk. Which brings me to the final point from this story today. Man, Jesus is bigger than your health problems. And he really is more awesome than the angels. And I need you to know that following Jesus is not living by a bunch of religious rules. Don't ever let somebody place that on you. We, tell, we call it living free around here. But I want you to notice that Jesus does more for this guy than just heal his body. You see, following Jesus is also more than the sin that haunts you. Think about this with me for just a second. In light of an eternity, there really is a heaven, there really is a hell, it lasts forever. If all Jesus does is fix this guy's body, but years later he dies and spends an eternity in hell, did Jesus really do anything for this guy? Did he really make things better for him, eternally speaking, yes or no? No, so Jesus is gonna go find this guy. And now he's going to deal with the most important spiritual issue. I've already dealt with your body. Now let's talk about your soul. And if you want to know where to find the guy who's just been healed, just experienced a miracle, well, obviously, he's going to be in church. So I'm going to go to church to go find him. Verse 14. After this, Jesus found him in the temple. And he said to him, see that you're well. Notice what Jesus says next. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. I'll pause there for a second because in your mind you may be thinking, aha, this guy was a bad boy. He did something wrong and God punished him by making him crippled. That's not exactly what this verse is saying. Jesus is saying, don't, you've, you, you've already been living in sin. Don't keep living in sin anymore because it opens the door for deeper sin and for more mistakes and bigger failures. And the first step is the first step to a whole lot more steps down this, this bad road. Don't sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. And now look up here. This is a turning point in the Gospel of John, in the book of John in the Bible. Because up to this point, the Jewish leaders have criticized Jesus. They've complained about Jesus, but now they're going to go on the offensive because of what just happened on the Sabbath day. The man went and he reported that it was Jesus who had made him well. And therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus treating him harshly for doing something good. The Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And they didn't like the fact that the Son of God was doing miracles on the Sabbath. So they're going to do whatever it takes to stop the Son of God from doing miracles on the Sabbath and breaking their own religious rules. Listen, I bring up that Jesus dealt with this guy's sin because, frankly, if God were to do a miracle in your marriage, awesome, praise God, hallelujah. Maybe he does a miracle at school and you're able to pass that class that you know you should fail, but somehow you just squeaked by on extra credit. Or maybe it was at work and you're, you're struggling to keep up with the demands and God does something and it's 
all, uh, that he deserves all of the credit for what he's done, whatever it is. Maybe God does something really awesome in your life. If he does that for you, but nothing changes in your soul 10,000 years from now, it really didn't matter what he did for you. You see, what I need you to know is when Jesus deals with people, he deals with them body and soul. In fact, most of the time in the New Testament, Jesus is much more concerned about your soul than he is about your body. And so Jesus shows up at the temple, and apparently Jesus doesn't want this to just be about the man's body, so he goes and he finds him in the temple. And he says, hey man, remember me, the guy who healed you? When you leave here today, I want you to leave here pure and holy and free from your sin. And don't go and enter back into sin and make your life worse. Look, I want you to go away forgiven. And when this man leaves, he leaves here pure and he leaves holy and he leaves totally and completely made new. New on the outside as well as new on the inside. If you've been watching this or watching our, our broadcast or, or in our church and you've been reading through the book of John with us by now, it should hit you like a ton of bricks. In John chapter 4, you had a woman who was the town's most notorious sinner. But when Jesus met her and Jesus changed her, she was not hiding her sin anymore. She was proud to tell everybody, come see the man who told me every sin that I ever did. And he's changed me and made me into a new woman. By the time you get to John chapter 5, you got a guy who says, hey, come and see the man who healed me. And he didn't just heal my legs so that I could pick up my mat and walk. No, he healed my soul too. And I need you to know that the same Jesus who did that for this man in chapter 5, who did that for that woman in chapter 4, can do it for you too. In fact, what I really want to do is leave you with a couple of challenges. I'll put them right there on the screens for you. Maybe you're watching this and maybe you've never really experienced total and complete healing. And I mean, your soul has been healed from all the sins that you've ever committed, all the things that you've ever done wrong. What I want to do in just a second is to pray that today is the day that Jesus saves you and changes you. But Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you've nailed this part down a long time ago. I want to challenge you this week to Look to Jesus and to bring him into the greatest days as well as the worst days. That you'll find your joy in Jesus. You'll find your strength in him when life gets hard. That you'll turn to him instead of turning to other things. And I promise you, if you will look to Jesus, you will find that he is more than you could ever imagine. So why don't you bow your heads? Why don't you let me pray for you right now? And then I got a couple of awesome things that you're going to see next. Father... You showed up in Jerusalem and you sent Jesus to go to this one man who for 38 years was broken and in need of healing. And Jesus, you showed up and you did a miracle that no one can deny. And Holy Spirit, I believe that you're still in the business of doing miracles. In fact, I believe that you want to do a miracle right now in the life of somebody who's watching this broadcast and may not be a Christian. And so I'm just simply praying that there will be a person who will just simply turn their soul over to you this very moment through a simple prayer of faith that maybe they would say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner and I see it today from the Bible. I can't be good enough. I can't follow the religious rules enough to earn my way into heaven. If that were possible, 
then there would be no need for Jesus to come to earth and to die a terrible death on my cross or on the cross for me. But I believe, God, that you love me so much that you wouldn't leave me in my sin. And so you sent Jesus as a sacrifice on my behalf. And right here, God, right now, for the first time, I am running away from my sin and running to you. And I'm asking you to do a miracle in my soul. Would you heal my diseased and disabled soul? And would you make it new for the first time? And God, I know that if that prayer is from a sincere heart, that you hear it from heaven and that you can totally and completely change somebody. But Father, I pray for me, I pray for other Christians that are watching this broadcast right now, that this week we will look to Jesus and that he will become the thing that makes the joys in our life even greater, makes the hard times of our life a lot less difficult, that we will turn to him and we will find that he is more than we could ever imagine in all of the circumstances that we find ourselves this week. God, would you Move in the hearts of your people. Would you hear the sincere prayers of your people? Would you minister to them right now through your Holy Spirit? I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.